Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying, You will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Well, Mark has already hurt my feelings. I just want to be clear. I feel like on Reformation Sunday, we should be completely honest with each other. Because he said, for Jamelin, she may not know about the box. I know about the box because I attend worship here almost every Sunday. So during the pandemic, I tuned in regularly. My husband, Dave, is a pastor at Zinesville United Methodist Church. And regularly, I will say to him, I'm going to have to come later because I have to hear Pastor Mark preach first before I can come hear you preach. So... I really consider Cross of Grace to be my church, and so I'm really excited to be here. Um, I am a little confused, again, why Mark has me preaching on Reformation Sunday since I was ordained in the United Methodist Church, but um, I take my job seriously, and so I went into my notes um, from Divinity School um, back in 2000, January of 2001. I took Church History 14. Here are my notes. And I looked up Reformation and Luther. Um, There's lots of interesting pictures I drew, different things. Um, One of the things in my notes, and actually I was looking through, I did this regularly, is I would keep track of how much time was left in church history before I could be released. Um, At one point during the Luther uh, lecture, I wrote, what the heck is this about? And then down below I wrote, okay, I'm lost, something about trust, who knows, need notes to straighten out. So here's what I remember about Luther. I'm going to let Mark fix all the other stuff that maybe um, you'll need to know about Luther. But here's what I remember. Um, I remember that John, uh, John, John, John Wesley started the Methodist Church, um, But your guy's name is Martin Luther, right? Okay. Yeah. They they were not around. They would have not been friends because John Wesley was a horrible teetotaler, which was really unfortunate for me when I became a United Methodist pastor. Um, But what I remember about Martin Luther was the Reformation was an opportunity to look at things differently and to step out in faith and claiming that worship could be different. The way we understand our faith could be different. And I know a little bit about that as well. Um, So what I want to talk to you today a little bit about is what it means to step out in your faith, to try something new, to do something different, and the blessings that can come from that. 
So four years ago, I was with a group from Cross of Grace down in Fondwa, Haiti. We were um, on a trip. We had some of your congregation's best worker bees with us. We had a really long list of things that we were going to do, one of which um, included installing a basketball goal at the school, and it was going to be a really exciting week of work. And when we arrived, we got settled and spent the next three days really excited about our work as we sat inside because it rained and it rained and it rained. When you're in Fondois, you have to commit yourself to the rhythm of the land. And what I mean is, you know, unlike living in the United States, if it rains or if it's blazing hot or if it's a really windy day, there are no cars to hop in to take you to your destination where you are going to be doing your work. Your feet are your transportation. And if the weather is bad, you're left to concede victory to the, we- to the weather elements. And that was certainly where we found ourselves four years ago. So we were inside playing games and trying to make the best of it. And one afternoon, while we were talking to our interpreters, Luke Nair and Nell and Israel, we started brainstorming about what a new kind of organization in Fondwa could do. Luke Nair talked about the benefits of building homes and giving people a stable place to live. Remember, the weather tends to always win, and having a dilapidated home is a risk to thrive. At this point, my husband Dave and I, we had had lived in Haiti for two years right after we got married, Um, and so we had been involved in the community, and we had been helping some of our friends and neighbors uh, rebuild their homes after the 2010 earthquake. But what would it look like if we took a concerted effort to be strategic in building homes? And so that day, we formed over some um, spirits in, supplied to us by Cine, the local barista. Um, we started a nonprofit call, called Zami Fondwa to carry out our work. And the name means Friends of Fondwa and was inspired by this group of friends, Haitian and American, coming together to take action to help the community. Our initial goal when we launched three years ago, this past November, uh, or this November, we broke ground on our first house, and our goal was to build 40 houses in three years. And I'm happy to say, thanks to so many of you all here, we have actually built 42 homes. We employ 110 Haitians, and we pump thousands of dollars into the economy each month um, from buying all of our construction materials locally. So I said a little earlier, I understand what it's like to step out in faith. I understand what Luther was doing when he was trying to challenge the church to think differently. For me, it was looking at what it would mean to run a nonprofit a little bit differently. Most charities tend to see a problem they start an organization, they solve the problem, they do a big check mark, break their arms, patting themselves on the back, and then they leave. However, I didn't want Zami Fondwa to be an organization run by Americans. I wanted it to be a grassroots organization with input from the Haitian leaders who live in Fondwa and know the families we would be building the houses for very well and would be seeing those lives transform before them. 
When Luke Nair and I began talking about what we wanted our organization to be, we kept going back to a few of these ideas. First off, we wanted it to be an organization that was trustworthy. A year ago, I did an exercise with our Fondois executive staff and worked with them to help define what our core values are. And without hesitation, the first two values that they came up with were these. One was we keep our promises. When we say it, we mean it. They wanted to be in covenant with their community. So when they made this promise to build a house for someone, they wanted to be able to see that through. The second was they wanted to serve everyone, and they met everyone, not just um, people that maybe were friends with the selection team, but they wanted to be able to look and serve those who were in the most need. Recently, Luke Nair met with um, a group of our community leaders in Fondois as they celebrated our third birthday, and some of these were um, pastors, priests, they were government workers, university administrators, all these different people. And the, the thing they kept saying over and over again is, we can't believe how much your organization has done in three years. Keep in mind, Haiti's pretty much run by nonprofits. And so they have seen organizations come in, make promises, and not follow through with them. And they said, your organization has done more in three years than we have seen some organizations do in 20 years. And that really is a testament to Luke Nair and his team who go back to saying, we make a promise, a covenant to this community, and we'll see it through, and we're going to serve everyone. The other thing we're really proud of is that our construction workers said, They are so thankful to be paid regularly. They've never had jobs where every Friday they get paid without an employer saying, well, I'll catch in two weeks or catch in three weeks. And so we're really proud that we have been able to hold um, true to those two values. We also have some really um, deep roots and relationships with people in Fondois. And that really is our foundation of the ministry there. I first went to Fondois on a a trip with a Duke Divinity School, um, the same place where I got a C in church history, um, to um, 20 years ago, 20 years ago. And so I have lots of memories, and I have so many friends there. And it, it has been these relationships that have fueled me and Luke Nair to dream really big for the community. And so we wanted to have an organization that was very ambitious. And so we work bravely towards big, transformational goals with confidence for the long-term impact for the people and communities we serve. In the next 10 years, we hope to serve and to build houses for 177 families who have been identified by our leadership team of needing a house. With the cost climbing in Haiti on everything, gas is about $27 a gallon right now. It will take about $6 million to accomplish this goal. So is this ambitious? Absolutely, you bet. But what gets me up in the morning is thinking about the mother who gets up early, who has to walk an hour to get water, and then back home another hour so that she can bathe her children, so she can make coffee for her spouse, so that she can feed her kids rice at lunch. That helps me get up in the morning. 
I don't get worried about the huge number of 177 houses because I think about families who live in homes in Fondois that are so unstable that they have to find neighbors to send their family to sleep with during rainy season because their house gets drenched when it rains. And this was certainly the case for one of our very first families, Tanya, who um, they lived this kind of difficult life. Their original house was demolished during the earthquake in 2010. They rebuilt a house that then collapsed during Hurricane Matthew. And when we met them, they were living in an eight by eight, um, almost like a prison cell, um, feeling oppressed with 10 people trying to figure out how to sleep in that kind of dirt floor home. And so it was when Zami Fondwak came in and was able to help them think about what freedom could be like if you have a secure house. You know, it's hard to understand what freedom really is, right? Because we've never all been slaves before. But oppression can look like trying to figure out how to get eight people to sleep on a dirt floor with only two beds in an eight-by-eight house. And so Zami Fandois was able to come in and give them freedom like they've never had in their life so that they can thrive and begin to think about other things in their life except to where are we going to sleep when this next rainy season comes. We are invested in Fandois financially and relationally. Fandois is home, and we approach ministry and relationships from this perspective. You have been a huge part of this investment. I came to this church 12 years ago. There wasn't even an education wing at that time. I came here 12 years ago to share, and you took a risk by coming to Fondois. And then I began having the blessing to be able to see you all falling in love with this community. I love to go into the Library and look at all of the pictures of trips from Fondois. It's like looking at a this is my life kind of thing, of seeing all of your different trips. You have kept us in your thoughts and in your prayers over many, many years. And to date, this church has built six homes for families in Fondois since we launched three years ago. It's really remarkable. And if you look at all of the years before we even started Zami Fandwa, I'm not really sure how to measure it, but I think we can safely say you've built another two or three houses on top of that. You have helped build maternity ward for mothers to have this safe place to deliver children. You have kept orphans safe and fed. And your investment in Fandwa is so overwhelming, and it is really a result of your passion to build relationships, to dig in and be a part of this community. God has led all of us to this place and to these people. Your passion is genuine, and it's very personal. I know this from conversations that I've had with many of you through the years. The very end of our Romans text today helps sum up what I think Luker, Luger, he was a senator, Luther was, tell you what, I'm really struggling, was trying to get across during his lectures and his writings. And it's really relevant to our work in Fondois too. Paul writes, what we've learned is this, God does not respond to what we do. We respond to what God does. We finally figured it out. Our lives get in step with God 
and all others by letting God set the pace, not by proudly or anxiously trying to run the parade. So much of what we have done in Fondois is a miracle. Building 42 houses during a global pandemic and some serious dysfunction in the government, this does not happen by chance. It doesn't happen easily. We have followed God's pace. We have followed Lutner's leadership. And it is a miracle. I have used a lot of restraint to not want to run the show. When we, and I mean a collective we, all of us in this congregation, when we have done what we have done and what we have witnessed over the last 12 years centers on the belief of doing things differently. Americans let go of control and we receive the hospitality from people living in the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, offering them dignity in the process of allowing them to host us. We've done all of this while stepping out in faith and I am so incredibly overwhelmed with generosity for this congregation as Zami Fandwa celebrates our third year. Um, your prayers and your generosity leave me utterly speechless. And if you know me well, that's somewhat of a miracle in itself, too. So I say this to you. Merci en pile. Bonjour, bene tout moun ici, pututan and pututan. Amen.